First You Think is a not-for-profit ministry of the First Unitarian Church of Des Moines. Support us at ucdsm.org today. In his commentary titled, What Our Leaders Aren't Telling You, Jesus Was a Radical Social Activist, short title, huh? Written by Georgia Strait, columnist Leo Yu writes, There are only two hard historical facts about Jesus that we know. One, he was a Jew from Nazareth who led a popular Jewish movement in Palestine at the beginning of the first century. So that's one. And two, according to historical scholar Reza Aslan, Rome crucified him for doing this. Those are the only two things we're pretty sure are facts. And we're not even really sure about those. So Jesus of Nazareth was a revolutionary who confronted the Judean religious establishment. He was not a peaceful spiritual leader, marriage counselor, or diplomat. A friend of mine said, Jesus was no care bear. It's always good to remember when you're talking about Jesus that turning over tables and chasing people with a whip is an option. He was a radical social justice activist who died fighting for justice and the common good. Everything else that people attribute to him, like the common narrative that he was the son of God, which is actually a traditional title for Israel's kings, like David, the idea that he sacrificed his life to forgive the sins of humanity for eternity, all that's up for interpretation. It's fine, and it's absolutely fine if you believe it. Absolutely fine if you don't. All that being said, it's the interpretation that can be so challenging for us as Unitarian Universalists as we examine Easter. What's Easter? As I said earlier at Time for All Ages, it's the third day after the man, Jesus of Nazareth, was crucified by Rome for being a revolutionary. We start there. Reza Aslan, who I just mentioned, the religious scholar, she wrote a book called Zealot. If you've not read Zealot, read Zealot. I know I, every couple years, push Zealot. Zealot, the life and times of Jesus of Nazareth, which explores the historical roots of the man as a revolutionary figure. Aslan himself is a Sufi Muslim. He's been quoted by the Washington Post as saying, it's not that I think Islam is correct. And Christianity is incorrect. It's that all religions are nothing more than a language of symbols and metaphors to help an individual explain faith. Zealot examines Jesus through the lens of history. This is a summary. 2,000 years ago, an itinerant Jewish preacher walked across Galilee gathering followers to establish what he called the kingdom of God. The revolutionary movement he launched was so threatening to the established order, that he was killed as a criminal. Within a decade after his death, his followers called him God. 
sifting through centuries of myth-making. This book sheds a new light on one of history's most enigmatic figures. By examining Jesus through the tumultuous era of which he lived, balancing the Jesus of the gospel against historical sources. Aslan describes a man full of conviction and passion and rife with contradiction. Zealot looks hard at all of the reasons why Jesus was positioned over and over as a gentle spiritual guru rather than as a fiery social justice radical. He asks hard questions about how the man Jesus understood himself. He asks, did Jesus believe he was some kind of divine being? Or did he know himself to be a man with a vision? Was he trying to be seen as God so that people would listen? Or did he trust in his own humanity? Zealot makes it clear that Jesus was a radical reformer and he was killed for it. He was killed for insisting that the poor mattered. And back then, that would have been an amazingly radical idea. Aslan hates the concept of modern prosperity gospel. The idea that some televangelists promote that says, God wants you to be rich. We want us to be rich in some cases, but God hasn't commented on it if we're talking about the Christian God. If there's one thing you can really zero in when it comes to Jesus' preaching, Aslan writes, and I mean the historical Jesus, it's his absolute hatred of wealth. There wasn't a man, this wasn't a man who was neutral about it. He wasn't about equality. His preaching wasn't that the rich and the poor should meet in the middle. What he preached was that those who have wealth, their wealth would be taken away. And those who are poor, they shall be the inheritors of the earth. This was as close to Marxism as it got. But Jesus took the message even further. Marxism says we should all be in the middle, and Jesus is saying no. The ones on the top and the ones on the bottom should switch places. How amazingly radical. He came to speak to the poor. Now, I've had people ask, well, doesn't that mean we all get left out? I mean, we live in nice houses, we eat food, we, we go to work. No. The rich in this case are those who have without care, who have so much that they don't even have to look. If you've got enough that you could say, buy Twitter, you are the rich. <laughs> if you've got enough that if you miss two paychecks, you could be homeless, you are not the rich. Jesus came to talk to the tired and the cold and the sick and the unwanted. He came to talk to the guy crawling on the ground because he had leprosy or walking with two sticks. He wanted to talk to the people who made beer and the girl who thought she was ugly and to the ones who were darker or lighter or different from all the people around them. He came to be a revolutionary. He was fighting for social justice before that was a phrase. And when he started his ministry, he didn't do it the easy way, the way some other messiahs had. 
He didn't raise a bunch of money and go bribe the Romans. He didn't cozy up to the Roman governor. He didn't try to get a patron or gain political influence to smooth the way and make it easier. He didn't even go marry a rich girl. You can't dismantle the master's house by borrowing the master's tools. So he went to the poor. His followers were fishermen and laborers. You know, today they would have been IRS workers and women from minority ethnic groups. Wasn't a saintly group of wise men in nice pretty robes, the way you see it on some of the white Jesus pictures. Jesus wasn't white. I just saw something yesterday that said, imagine that. Jesus was the one white man in the entirety of the Middle East 2,000 years ago. (laughs) Jesus had brown skin and curly hair. So did his followers. His followers weren't educated. These would have been the folks that worked at McDonald's, the garbage collectors, the girl from the check cashing place, some guys from the fish market, a pawnbroker, a drag queen, a rap artist, people on food stamps. That's who it would be today. The guys from Duck Dynasty, Dontre Hamilton, the Black Lives Matter activist, He came to tell them not how to live with the system or how to win at the system or how to make the system great again, but how to destroy the system. Don't take things the way they are. Don't accept that getting rich is the only important thing. Don't accept that hurting people is acceptable. The system is broken, he said, and I'm coming to bring a new one. What's important is take care of one another. Rome wasn't afraid of the man Jesus because he was the son of God. There were about three sons of God a year at that time and in that place. They were afraid because this man came into a world where income inequality was obscene. Wealth meant power and safety and privilege. And he said to the poor, let's not do it anymore. There's more of us. Let's just not do it. He said, you got it all wrong. Sit down here and let me feed you. Let me give you a drink. Let me wash your tired, dirty feet. And when everybody got comfortable and he was sure they could hear him, he said, blessed are those who need help. I came for you. Your struggle has taught you so much. Blessed are those who are sad at the way the world is. Blessed are those who've been hurt by the way it all is now, because once you realize it could be different, you're going to laugh again. Blessed are the ones of you too gentle to survive the way this system works right now, because you're the people who are going to inherit it all. Blessed are you who just want to do right instead of somehow winning. Blessed are you who know it doesn't have to be a zero-sum game. Love is not pie. 
There's always more to go around. Blessed are you who understand that taking an eye for an eye just means we'll all go blind. Blessed are, are you who just want the best for everyone and you who want peace. Blessed are you who are willing to stand up and get picked on and still say, I won't perpetuate the system. You get it. You really get it. You get what I came to say. Blessed are the just voices. Blessed are those who rise up. Blessed are those who talk back and cause good trouble. People are going to pick on you because you believe in the way I've shown you. If they're picking on you, good, it means you've got it right. If you try to take away privilege from people in power and give it to other people, you just keep the cycle going. It all becomes worthless. Instead, stand up and shine out and let people see that you've chosen another way and that they can too. Let them hear my stories through you. You're good enough. Tell the stories. When the people who lead are following the wrong path and the wrong goals, unless you do better, this new movement will fail. So on the Sunday of the last week of his life, Jesus rode into the city of Jerusalem on a donkey in peace. And those crowds, those fast food workers and drug dealers and insurance salesmen and pole dancers and young families and poor families, they laid palms on the road so it wouldn't get dusty. And they scared Rome. They really scared Rome. And they scared the wealthy political Jewish establishment. All because these people were listening to this young rabbi who said the world can be different. The world can be better. By Wednesday, he'd been accused of blasphemy and they had him arrested. It's just like Sandra Bland or Eric Gardner. Dark-skinned people who were just living their lives. And someone grabbed them and said, you did something wrong. He was stopped and arrested for something a wealthy, politically connected person would have been fined or lectured for. On Friday, he was hurt. And then he was crucified by Rome, and he died because he represented a refusal to participate in a rigged system. He died because he had been told because he had told people that there could be another way, and he died because he refused to stop and ask for permission to fight for change in a world where people were suffering. Maybe he was buried in a tomb, maybe not. Catholic scholar John Dominic Crossan, who's also, everything the man writes is, is amazing, check him out. He finds it hard to believe that he was allowed burial because political criminals were burned or tossed aside. But maybe he was buried in a tomb. Definitely he died. And on the third day after his death, on the Sunday, one week after his triumphant entry into the city, the movement he created was resurrected. A man died. A human man died. But something got back up. 
1 Corinthians 12, 27 and 28 says, Now you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is a part of it. We say we live in an interdependent web. We're all part of one thing. A man died, but his body got back up. It took three days for his terrified followers. Can you imagine? Your boss just died. The Romans are looking for you and your friends all over the city. You're not going to walk right out that afternoon and go, Hello! Here I am! Yes, I believed in the young rabbi. Yeah, I'm Jesus' buddy. What do you think their life expectancy would have been? Non-existent. Instead, they went home. They cried. They sat together. They worried. They were scared. And after three days, they managed to get themselves reorganized. Three days for them to decide that even his death wasn't going to end his message. Three days. And then his body got back up, one human after another. Not some zombie Jesus, but a live, living Jesus. Everybody who'd heard his stories and was willing to tell them to the next person. Jesus returned to life in another form to lead his people once again in a new way. And we rejoice today because of that resurrection. We rejoice that we are the inheritors of that message that the world can change. The old system of privilege and power serves only to destroy. Help to change the world. Help to support the dream of help for those who need it most. Christian or not, the resurrection brings hope that the dream is alive of being one people. One world where everyone gets a chance. You are the light of the world, and a town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, put it on a stand. It gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine so they can see your good deeds. The light has come and the stone has been rolled away. And a new way of being has been born into the world. And that is Easter. Alleluia.